Holla at me if you enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning. Oh, Lord knows I do, especially when you lose an hour, when the devil stole an hour of your sleep. Ha, come on, somebody, but you're going to get it back in the fall. Oh, I think I just got it back with that sip right there. There's 30 minutes plus 30 minutes. I got it back. I'm good. Woo, glory. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, the church of Ephesus. Thank you, Lord. Timothy was the overseer of Ephesus. He was called an apostle in the Bible. There's 22 apostles in the New Testament mentioned by name, including the 12 that Jesus chose. And there's others implied. Apostles were the head elder. They were the ones that oversaw the churches. Uh, James was the apostle over Jerusalem. The church, the people of God. Remember, the church is not a building. The church is you and I. Amen. Together, we are the church. We're not the church alone. We're the church together. Say, I am the church. The corporate body of Christ. And so, uh, Timothy was the overseer over the church of Ephesus. And, uh, and I love this letter. This letter is rich in theology. How many love theology? Come on, somebody. Do you know what theology is? Theology is how you see God. It's that simple. Now, you, you may say, well, I don't really, I'm not into theology. Well, everyone has a theology. Everyone has an understanding of God. Whether you know it or not, you have an understanding of God. There are people that aren't saved, that walk the streets. They've never been to church. They have a theology. They have an understanding of God or a view of God. Theology is the study of God. Um, and I love the, the, the book of Ephesians. It is rich in theology for us today. It's a New Testament epistle. Now, let me just walk you through. Can I teach you this morning a little bit? promise I won't go too long. I, I'm actually, no, ser- I'm serious. I won't go too long this morning. Um, I, I just want to share a little word. How many were here last week? Were you here last week? Wasn't that an awesome time? Come on, somebody. How many enjoyed the message on the prodigal son? Come on, the two lost sons. What a great revelation. We looked at that story from a historical lens. And how many here said, man, it just made the father look way more loving than I ever seen him before. Uh, and that's that should be the journey that we're on, by the way, is we're discovering the love of the Father. This is what Jesus came to reveal. Um, so last week was awesome, and, and this week I'm going to just share a little bit with you. And I, I get a, uh, I get to impart that to you. I get a, It's a blessing to me to be able to impart that to you. So I want to teach you just a little bit here. So we... Uh, Last week, we talked about the prodigal son and uh, discovering the love of the father. Um, But I I, want to share my heart with you this morning about where I believe we as a church uh, should, this path or this journey that we should be on. Would you pray with me this morning before we read? I want you to just, just do me a favor and just lift your voices right now in prayer and just let a fire just begin to bubble up out of your heart right now. Come on, just let... The Bible talks about fanning the flame, fanning the fire inside of you right now. Just fan the flame. Lift up. If you want to pray in English, say, God, thank you for what you're going to do. You can lift up your prayer language right now. 
you can just pray and just, come on, let it simmer. Let it burn a little bit. Just burn. Fan the flame. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you, Lord, that you chose us in you before the foundation of the world. You chose us. You predetermined in your heart, God, to call us your sons and your daughters. How many say, thank you, Lord, that I am your son, that I am your daughter? Just call him Abba right now. The Bible says that the Spirit of God dwells within our hearts and we cry out, Abba, Father. That means Daddy God. It's an affectionate yet reverent communication to a father. Daddy God, Abba, Abba. I love, I love the prayer of uh, Brennan Manning. We learned this from... I learned this from Jonathan David Helser, who's a worship leader. He wrote the last song that we played. And Brendan Manning, uh, he wrote about this prayer that he prays every day. And he inhales. And as he inhales, he's, he's thinking, Abba, Daddy. And as he exhales, he's saying, I belong to you. I mean, that's a great way to start a day. Come on, that's a great way to start right now. Let's do it together. As you inhale, come on, just think, Abba, Father. Daddy, and exhale, I belong to you. Gets rid of stress. That's a really good stress relief right there. Amen. Thank you for your presence. Close your eyes one more time, if you would. And just, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 to you, and then we're going to go forward here. Ephesians chapter 1, and let's just start reading verse 1. Let's read Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus. I, I love that we get our understanding, if we get our understanding of who we are from the Scripture, and the Scripture being inspired by God that points us clearly to who God is, which is perfectly revealed in Jesus. How many say amen to that? But I love how Paul starts his letters. This is a good word for you guys here. This is a good word for the church. He doesn't say to all you sinners saved by grace. Wait a minute, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, you were, but if you got saved, you're now a saint. See, another aspect of theology is changing the way you think. You see, one of the biggest dilemmas we have, not only do we, we miss who God really is because religion has painted him out to be a monster, which he is not an ogre. He's not a monster. He's a loving father. But theology is changing the way you think. That is, the, that is actually the meaning of repentance. Repentance is a progression of you changing the way you think about God. We all have a concept of God. And I love this beginning because the, the issue is, is not only do we, we need to know about God more and what he clearly looks like, which he wants to reveal himself to us individually, but also corporately. Like when we're worshiping and the face of God comes into the building and we all are undone before him. Are you hearing me this morning? But I love the way he starts it because he doesn't say, hey, uh, all you in Ephesus, you sinners saved by grace. How many have ever said that? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, you were a sinner. I think the correct biblical understanding is that you are a saint being transformed by grace. Come on, somebody. 
See, if you keep thinking you're a sinner, your behavior will be sinful. But if you understand, according to Romans chapter 6, that the old man died with Christ, come on, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago was enough to kill your old funky flesh. Lord knows you all need it, huh? So do I. Come on, somebody. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago was more than enough. We can't add. We can't take away. Come on, it is finished. And guess what? When he died, you died mystically with him. When he rose, you rose mystically with him. And when you acknowledge that, when you receive that, something happens on the inside. But Paul clearly says to God's holy people, listen, if you're here today and, and you're in Las Vegas, you are God's holy people in Las Vegas. Which, by the way, if we understand who God is, we know how he thinks about us. And if we know how he thinks about us, we know how he thinks about humanity. Because we're all humans. Amen? Unbelievers, believers alike, we're all humans. We're part of the human race. Made in the image of God. What does God think about Las Vegas? I'm going to tell you right now. God thinks Las Vegas is amazing because it's full of people that he loves with a radical love that we have just barely begun to comprehend as believers. The church for 2,000 years is still trying to figure out who Jesus is. They know he's God revealed in the flesh, but there's still this ongoing... Listen, for the first 300 years of church history, battling against false teaching, it was all about who Jesus really is. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. He came to reveal the love of the Father. He came to show us what God looks like. He came to show us what God thinks about us. Paul writing to the church says, hey, you're God's holy people. That's who you are. I want you to really intentionally look at the person next to you. Now, this is a great time. We always joke around right here. But I want you to look at him and say, you're holy unto God. You're holy. God set you apart. God put his very spirit, his life inside of you. Now think about that for a minute. We say it all the time. Well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, you know, and we, we do, we, we talk the talk, right? But no, the, the very essence of who God is, is inside your being. Not just inside your spirit, but inside your soul and your body. Your entire whole being has been redeemed and you've been filled with God, with God, with the creator, the one who spoke the universe, the one who was before time began, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't need us in the aspect of that we need to serve him or do something for him. But he chose to create us because of his great love, because he says, you know what, I'm going to make some people that look just like me. I want some sons and daughters, and I want to bring them into this family between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're a holy people. It's who you are. And the very presence of God, the Creator, the presence of God, the one who spoke the world, the one who said, let there be light. Boom, whether it was a big bang or it wasn't a big bang. Scientists are now saying, well, it's not, there wasn't a big bang. They they don't even know. Now scientists are saying, well, the universe has been around forever. Isn't that amazing? And the universe is expanding and it's getting faster and we don't understand it. That's because God spoke a long time ago and it's still being created. Just like when he breathed into Adam, the breath of life, be fruitful, multiply. 
the breath of life is still propagating. People are the humanity. Come on. And, and we have to understand that that spirit, the creator's spirit, Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Godhead, the Bible says this in Colossians 2. I know I'm never going to get to the text, right? I'm still on Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. I'm just going for it. Just let me go for it. Let a brother go for it, okay? Come on, somebody. You don't want me to get the Holy Ghost chickens in here. I'll really start preaching. Y'all know what that is, right? You're in worship. And what's going on? One time my wife was making fun of it, and then the Holy Spirit just decided to go and blow on her. And she's like worshiping. I'm like, honey, you got an itch, baby? What's going on? She's like, I'm good. See, I've learned to like... I've learned to just go with it. You know what I'm saying? If I get the Holy Ghost chickens, I'm just like, mm, come on, somebody. Or if I get just a little, I'll just be like, oh, I got a kink in my neck. Praise God. <laughs> oh, it's just our response sometimes to the manifest presence of God. Some people do that stuff to be seen and make a show, but we don't do that. We don't need to be weird to make God more holy. Amen. God's not spooky. He's normal. And, uh, and Christians sometimes make him spooky. He's not spooky. But I, I uh, what the heck was I saying? I don't even know what I was saying. Just let me go for it. Let me go for it. That's what I was saying. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says that in Christ, are you hearing me this morning? In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead in bodily. And we, now listen, so let me say this. Jesus revealed revealed God even even in a different light of the Old Testament. Okay, Colossians also says that the Old Testament was the shadow. Jesus is the reality or the substance. Are you hearing me? See, a shadow does not accurately portray the reality of something. Amen? Everybody, you have your own shadow. Come on, go ahead. I, there's my shadow. It's actually two-dimensional. It's not colorful. You guys are colorful. I love that we have color in our church too. Come on, somebody. Come on, every creed, color, and nation. We need more of every nation in this house. But your shadow doesn't accurately portray who you really are, right? Jesus portrayed who God really is. The Old Testament, there was types and shadows that pointed to him. Jesus even said this in John chapter 5, the scripture testifies of what? Of me. Jesus said, the scriptures testify of me. So the scripture is God's inspired, perfect truth, not perfect in the aspect that there's no, like we don't just read one verse and say, well, that's it. We have to read it through the lens of Jesus, right? It is God's clear truth sign that points us to the one who is truth. His name is Jesus. John 14, 6. Truth is a person. Amen. So the scriptures are inspired by God. And even in the Old Testament, they're shadows, they're types. But the Bible says that Jesus is the reality. Now, Jesus comes and in him dwells the fullness of the God in the body. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus reveals this triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No deep, you can't make up a God like that. Humanity can't make up a God that exists in pure love before the foundation of the world. See, the gods that paganism and the gods that we make up are ones that are self-serving. But the God that Jesus revealed is self-sacrificing, self-giving, a humble God, a God who stoops, not Zeus that says, worship me, bow down to me, who's angry. And if you get on his bad side, he'll throw a lightning bolt at your booty. That's not God. 
Jesus in him, are you hearing me this morning? In him dwells the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He revealed what God looks like. Oh, this is so good. I'm enjoying my preaching this morning. I don't know about you. I can feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes. It says that he in him contains the Godhead. And here's what it says. The next verse, Ephesians, or Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says, And you are complete. Say complete. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Ephesians, if we read on in a little bit, if we read on, by choice, if I choose to go the next verse, if we read on, Paul says you're seated with him in heavenly places. You're right now in the spirit. You're not just in a church in Henderson, Nevada, but you're seated with Christ in heaven. That is your position because when Jesus came, he came to rescue humanity out of death. Rescue humanity out of sin and death, the spiritual cancer, if you will, the the deterioration of mankind, the violence, the destruction, the hatred. He came to rescue. And why did he come to do that? What is the context of why Jesus came? We're going to read it in a minute, but I just want to, I I can't, before we get there, I got to tell you, the context is that his great love before the foundation of the world chose you because he wanted a kid just like you. The other day I was holding Layla, Layla Sophia. She's so sweet. Where's my Layla? Bring, will you bring her up here? She's so sweet. How many think my Layla is just incredible? Come here to Dada. Look at her running to Dad. That's Daddy's girl. Come here. I love you. You're so sweet. You want to say hi? Say hi. Say hi. Wave. Say hi. She's like, uh, wait a minute. I've never seen people from up here before. Say hi. Are you daddy's princess? Are you daddy's angel? Are you daddy's unicorn? She smells like a unicorn. Perfect. Like rainbows. Oh, she smells so good. So the other day I'm holding Layla. And I was just, you ever, sometimes we forget we're alive. You realize that? That's why we need to be childlike. Some, like literally, we get out, we got to take care of our bodies because sometimes we just, we forget we're alive. And there's things that maybe we don't see or don't appreciate. You want down? Okay. I love you. You want to stay up here with daddy for a minute while I talk? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm holding this little precious baby and I'm like, she's perfect. She has red hair and blue eyes. I mean, come on. Gorgeous. And I'm looking at her little face, and she looks like her mama, so she's beautiful. And, and a couple other things dawned on me. Layla, you're still away from my preaching. Can you just go back to mama now? A couple other things dawned on me. I'm like, she has red hair, blue eyes. She's so beautiful, my little baby girl. She likes The Office already, the show The Office. We're laying in bed and we're like, she'll either want to watch Frozen, Annie. How many know the show Annie? I think she likes it because a little redheaded girl. And, or she'll watch Office. She'll be like, Office, Office, Michael Scott. She likes Michael, she likes The Office. I think it's great. Judge me if you will. I, I find it amazing. And then I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, she likes The Office. She likes football. 
Every father's dream is for their daughter to like, my wife likes football. I'm so blessed. Come on, somebody. She wants to leave church early to not miss the kickoff. I mean, if it was football season, she'd be like looking at me in the back like, it's time to go. It's 1122. Let's dismiss. Praise God. I'm the one from Denver and she's a bigger Bronco fan than I am. Really? I just try not to get too emotionally involved because it vexes people's souls. Don't look at Chris after the Chargers lose. His whole countenance. Oh, happy day. Happy day. I'm just kidding. You know that some of you guys get so involved. I see your Facebook set. There's this pastor I know from uh, California, and he's a 49er fan. Dude, every time, he's so, literally feeling depressed with a sad face. That's his, his social status on Facebook, right? So I'm sitting here holding Layla, and I'm like, she likes the office. She likes football. We watch football. She's like, football. She's perfect. And I thought, you're the little girl I always dreamed of. I'm serious, though. And then I think about all the uniqueness of all my kids. They're, they're the kids that I always dreamed of, and they've gone beyond that. I just see God. I see the beauty of God in them. Listen, God looks at you, and he says, you're the son and the daughter I always wanted to have. That's the context of what Jesus came to do was to reveal to us our value and our sonship. Every time in the Bible you see when the Spirit of God works in us, what happens is the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, bears witness with our spirit that we're what? Come on, Bible students. We need to launch STSL, School of Theology and Supernatural Living. We're going to launch another course. Romans chapter 8 says the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's okay. Say it out loud. You can, you can do it. Children of God, right? Uh, Galatians 4, 6. When the Spirit of Jesus comes inside, we say, Abba, Father. See, what happens is when we get allow the spirit of who God is to come into our being, we realize that we're sons and daughters. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you in a minute. Let me just read through Ephesians 4, are you all, or Ephesians 1. Are you all enjoying this so far? Verse 3. No, no, I'm sorry. Let's go to, uh, back to verse 1, the end of 1. God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight and in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? You're the son and daughter he always dreamed of. And you look just like him. He looks at you and he says, you look just like me. And you're getting more like him. We never lost the image of God. We, we may have lost the likeness of God, but we never lost the image of God. Hello? Mankind is made in the image of God. You look just like him because he predetermined. Predestination is not a fatalistic approach of that everything is mapped out. That is a Greek 
philosophical understanding of this verse, but from a Hebrew worldview from which the Scripture was written, if we read the Scripture from a different worldview from what the author was writing and the reader was reading, we will put into the Scripture what the Scripture is not saying to us. Predestination is the determination in the heart of the Father to gather humanity back to himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Oh, it's so good. We think it's our job to reconcile the world. We just need to tell them they're reconciled. We think it's our job to lead someone in some magical prayer. I'm all for the sinner's prayer. Hear me. I'm all for altar calls, even though that's only been around for like 100 years. Peter didn't do an altar call in Acts chapter 2. He just said straight up, change the way you think. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. The promises to you and to all. See, it's always been God's heart to just gather his people together. The world has been reconciled to God. The world has been forgiven. I love uh, in the context of what Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, God isn't holding the world's trespasses against them. If we just stop right there for a minute, why do we always hold our trespasses against one another? Even if, listen, even when our enemies hurt us, God isn't holding it against them. There's this warped sense of a a polluted version of God in Christianity. A pagan, retributive, angry, messed up, ogre, monster God that was not revealed in Christ. And we think that our enemies are God's enemies. That is a big mistake. Oh, don't get me preaching now. Jesus said, love your enemies. See, he came to reveal a new way. The Old Testament was love God and love your neighbor. He summed up the law and the prophets in Matthew. But guess what the new covenant law was or the new covenant command was? The one command, love one another as I have loved you. No greater love than this. And somebody lays down their life. Listen, God is looking for people to reflect who he really is in the earth. We're not called to spitefully uh, think evil of our enemies. We're called to love them. We're called to forgive them. Jesus said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. I love the way Eugene Peterson, it's John chapter 20. Eugene Peterson in the message says, you can forgive the sins of any, but if you hold on to them, what good are they for you? Isn't that powerful? If you hold on to the sins of people, what people? What, what, are you, what point is it? What, what good is it going to do you to hold on to the hurt that people have caused you when God is not holding their trespasses against them? Why do we hold our trespasses against us? Probably because we need a greater glimpse of the glory of the face of Jesus. We need a greater glimpse and, a, and to discover the love of the Father. And when that happens, we just become family. We understand who we are. And we're not trying to recreate ourselves. We're not trying to refabricate ourselves. But we don't know. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm holy. God says I'm holy. I'm not just a sinner. I was a sinner. I have a new nature now. Come on, somebody. I'm a new creation. 
If you start thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you, you don't have to modify your behavior. You just start acting and talking like God. You become what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, become imitators of God as dear children. It's not hard. I love how Peter puts it. Peter says, God's given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and goodness. You have all the resources you need to live godly and holy. Why? Because grace just flows to us every second, every moment, every nanosecond. Come on, somebody. Grace is not just, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. It's not a cushion to fall on when we sin. Grace is what picks us up. Grace is what changes the way we think. Grace is what causes us to look at sin as a third shoe. I don't have a need for that third shoe. I got two on my feet. You can take that shoe and shove it. You can put that shoe somewhere else. Grace changes the way I think. Grace teaches us, according to Titus 2, 11 and 12, to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Well, the grace movement is just all these people teaching about grace. It's just a license to sin. No, it's not. You can't misuse grace. Because if you use it, if you receive it, the only option when the nature of who God is touches your life, you change. When you encounter God, something happens. When God smears his oil, the fragrant oil of who Jesus is all over your little face and just smeared, you change, your countenance changes. Come on, somebody. You change. Grace is God's divine enablement, and it enables us to live in freedom the way God created us to. It enables us to act like sons and daughters because that's who we are. It pulls us into Christ. It pushes us into obedience. Obedience is not outside of us. In the Old Testament, it was. It was, I got to obey God. Now his law is written on my heart. I just want to do what God wants. I, I, it's, it's in my identity now. I, I desire. I don't have to pray, God, what is your will? I can just say, God, I yield to the spirit of God that's inside of me. And Lord, thank you that you've put your will. You've branded it on my heart now. This is a new covenant. Come on, somebody. We're not living in that old shadow. We're living in the reality. We can reflect Jesus. We can raise the dead. We can cleanse the lepers. We can heal the sick. Come on, it's who God, God made us sons and daughters. And when we, listen, it's not hard to do that stuff when you know who you are. If you struggle with your identity, not only are you going to compare yourself to everybody and you're going you're to constantly recreate yourself and try to be somebody else and try to be something you're not, but you're not going to be able to reflect who God is because you're a son and a daughter and a son and a daughter easily reflects who God is. When we have dinner at home, my sons are crazy and they're reflecting who I am. Comedians, like seriously, sometimes my son David, where's David at? Sometimes I, we are literally, tears are coming out of our... Have you ever been to my house and my son got you crying, laughing? Raise your hand. Seriously, look around the room. They've been affected by the anointing of David the comedian. <laughs> my son knows who... He's not shy. He's just... He's, he's a little cray-cray, but you know, that's, that's who his daddy is. That's who I am. When you know who you are, you act just like dad. Because the Spirit is in you. His resurrection power is flowing through every fiber of your body. I was having this pain in my body recently, and uh, I was on a ministry trip, and I was like, this is really bugging me. I don't want this pain anymore. I'm sick of this pain. It needs to go. For real, right? You know that you just get fed up. 
I was like, I, I, I'm not going to live with this. And, and I'm going to do my part, take care of myself. But I had a dream that one day, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Great speech. I mean, amazing. Listen to it. I love Martin Luther King Jr. So I had a dream that, uh, that somebody, a doctor, was doing like a, almost like a chiropractic adjustment on my son. And he was, and, and she was fixing him, right? And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, I have like this pain, you know, and I was, and, and so I, the same thing happened to me. Like, well, I can adjust that, like a chiropractic adjustment. I woke up, no pain. I haven't had pain since. Come on, somebody. The great physician came into my dream and healed me. But it came through a revelation of, guess what? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to my mortal body. Sometimes you got to get yourself healed by believing that you're a son and a daughter. And you walk in divine health by receive, receiving the healing virtue of Jesus flowing into your body. If there's pain in your body, just shake it off right now. Because the spirit of God quickens your, gives life to your body. Ephesians chapter 1, we read this beautiful picture, Paul illustrating the context of what Jesus came to do. He came to adopt you into sonship. He came to bring you into the reality that he has loved you from before the foundation of the world. He called you by name. He dreamed you. He, you're, the kid that he, you're the kid he always dreamed of. What if, we, what if we started evangelizing like that? We just walked up to somebody and said, hey, guess what? I know you didn't have a daddy. Word of knowledge, right? We're flowing in the gifts, power evangelism. But guess what? You're the daughter daddy in heaven always dreamed of. And he thinks the stuff that's happened to you, it grieves his heart. And he wants to restore. He wants to touch you. He wants to reveal his love to you. What if we revealed God that way? What if we revealed God? Hey, guess what? I know your, your life's messed up and you're addicted to drugs, but God doesn't hold that against you. He loves you. Actually, it's a sickness that he doesn't like. And that's why Jesus came to redeem us from that sickness. Instead of repent, sinners, you're all going to burn. That's not how the gospel was preached in the book of Acts. Not one time was heaven and hell mentioned. Boom, just drop that bomb on you evangelical Christians. In the only historical book in the New Testament, heaven and hell was not mentioned once when the gospel was preached. I'm not saying it's not the truth. I'm saying let's rethink how we present God. See, if we stop presenting this pagan view of God, that God's ticked off and he can't wait to suck the Christians out of the world, there's only going to be a handful, right? And then he's going to pour his wrath out and everyone left behind just, oh, you're done, dude. Peace. You know, like when Jesus was ascended into heaven, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. That's what the Christian's going to say. They're raptured, the people that, right? They're ra- see ya, wouldn't want to be a whole left behind. That's how some people think about it, though. I saw a video of some lady on the corner with a sign preaching the good news. It was really the nasty news is what it was. It was nasty. And she started yelling at this lady, well, wait till the rapture comes. You'll be left behind and the wrath of God will be poured. I mean, she sounded like a witch. I'm like, that is not God. I don't like it. I don't think it, I don't think it clearly portrays what I see in Scripture and what I see in the life of Jesus. 
What I see is God says, no, I love you and you're forgiven and I made a new covenant with you and I want to make my home in you. I want my spirit to dwell in you and I want you to know who you really are. And when you know who you really are, you know who I am, you're going to know who you are. And guess what? Things are going to change in your life. That person that has been addicted to drugs realize I don't have to carry this stuff. I can just lay it down. Come on, somebody. I can lay it down on the altar. I can be free from it. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit delivers and sets the captive free. Why? Because we have a vision, a clear vision of what God is really like. Adopted as sons and daughters, predetermined in the heart of God. God doesn't hold stuff against us. He loves us. He wants to redeem us. He wants to fully bring us back into his heart. He wants us to know our significance and our value. He wants us to have relationship with him because that is why he created us. He created us for fellowship He created us because we uh, were meant to be a part of the family. I think about our little Layla, who's the surprise baby, right? I'm going to close with this. We have four kids and we're two boys, two girls. Perfect. Life is perfect. And uh, by the way, we're having another one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I just want to see your response. Everybody knows if that happened, Rochelle will be throwing some blows, right? She'll be like, you see the ghetto come out of my wife. She'd be like, she'd start with that. And then she'd like, she can't. No, I'm just. My wife's like, stop, stop. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. Okay, boots and cats. What? Little Will Ferrell. So my little Layla's the surprise baby. She she got born into such a unique, crazy family. But guess what? She got so accepted and so loved, and she knows who she is. She's a little Wexler. This is who she is. And she, that's why she's fiery and wild too. Red hair, just like my dad. But you need to know that you're born into the family of God. See, the revelation of God's love. Let me just close with these two verses real quick. Y'all ready? Who's ready to close? Thanks a lot, guys. Really? I'm just kidding. He goes on and he says, I love this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. Actually, I'm going to read verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, never to be remembered against us again. Forgiveness is not not this thing where God, he's he's just not going to hold your sins against you. But if you blow it, he might just go ahead and unleash that punishment on you or that consequence of your sin. No, God's like, it's like it never happened. God sovereignly, if he wants to, can perfectly forget your sin. Think about that. Totally accredited righteous in Christ. God looks at you, you're totally righteous, 100%. Amen. It says we have forgiveness in accordance, here it is, with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Oh, oh my gosh, this is so good. Listen, listen, he lavished his love on us. It's not a grudging thing like, well, I guess, should I love them? Should I send my son? They're really evil. I don't know. 
Should I send Jesus and then and then let me punish him so I can reconcile the world, the split-headed God like this? No, no, no. God the Father lavishes love. You know what lavish means? It's like, listen, I've been married 15 years and my anniversary's coming up and I'm thinking all month, I can't wait to spend that week in Cancun with my bride. I'm going to lavish my love on her. She's going to get some spa treatments because she loves it. Come on, somebody. Men, here, take notes. Come on, somebody. I'm going to la- I'm thinking about it. I'm looking forward to blessing her. I'm looking forward to la- listen when I want to spend time with my kids or we're going to plan a birthday party. We're going to la- my wife loves to la- I someone in here lavished their children spent like 2 grand on their birthday party. Talk about lavishing, right? Come on somebody. When you lavish Love and blessing on someone, you think about it. You look forward to it all day. You're thinking about, I can't wait to see them and embrace them and let them know how much I love them. That's the Father's love that He has given us. It's not a grudging love. It's a lavishing love. He just pours it out. Ephesians chapter 2, there's a translation that says that because of His love, with His great love, He loved us. One of the translations is, it's almost like this picture in the original. It's like God had so much love coming out of him, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, that he had to make you so he could pour his love on you. Why did God create me? So he could love you. Isn't that amazing? Ready? Last verse. First John chapter 3, verse 1. You ready? NIV. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called what? The children of God. Are you getting this? Why did Jesus die? Why did all this happen? Why? Because you're his son and his daughter and he never let you go. He set his love on you before the foundation of the world. It's implacable. It's a love that is undaunting. It's a love that is relentless. It's a fire burning in the heart of God. And he said, they're my kids. I won't let humanity go. St. Athanasius put it this way. It's impossible for the father to let his humanity go into non-existence. That's the type of love God lavishes on you. That's what he thinks about you, Gus. He says, I'm proud of you. Just think about what he thinks about you right now. Karen, he says, you're a Mary. You sit at my feet. And he loves when you worship. And you pour fragrant oil at his feet. That's my daughter. Young ladies here, maybe you didn't have a father. He says, you're the daughter. You ever felt rejected when you received the total acceptance of Papa God? All the pain, gone, like it never happened. The stuff that leads you back into the old lie of depression and defeat, it just comes off of you like it never happened. That's the type of love God lavished upon his kids. That's the context of what we represent, we represent Jesus, the God incarnate, the eternal forward, the one who became flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John chapter one, verse 14, that is who we are. We're his kids. Amen. Would you just close your eyes and we're going to close right now. I'm going to have my wife in a moment just come up, dismiss you.
Did somebody change the clocks? More time went by than I thought. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you've never surrendered to the love of Jesus. Maybe you got a a bad taste of religion and you, you think God's mad at you or something. If you need healing in your body, if you need uh, just refreshing, if you need God to touch you, if you just want to surrender to His love, maybe you want to, maybe you want to just recommit this relationship. You want God? I want my intercessors praying right now, please. You want Jesus to hit the reset button on your life? I'm just going to invite you right now to just come to this altar. You can run if you want. Just come. You can bow down if you want. I know we don't have carpet yet. There's pillows over there. Come to this altar right now. You say, I just want to surrender. I just want to be a lover. I just want to be a lover of God. Just come right now. Come and burn. Come let his love consume your entire being. That's it. Come on. Would you bless God as people respond right now? I know there's way more than that. Come now, lovers of God. Come let God hit the reset button on your life. He's not mad at you. He loves you. And as those come, let the love of God. There it is. I feel like there's so many here that you, that this could be metaphorical, it could be literal. I would never, I would never point this out because of the shame that it could bring. But I, I feel like, and maybe, you, maybe you're here and you just feel like God called you and you, are, you aborted the call on your life. Like God wanted to birth something in you and, and you chose to make the wrong decision. I want you to know, and if there's a a daughter of God in here, and maybe you had a past where you made the wrong choice when you found out you were expecting a baby, God forgives you. Hear me. Please hear my heart. God loves you. It's okay. I command condemnation and shame to go right now. Jesus' name. You didn't abort the call. I feel like I feel like there's uh, there's some men in here that you feel like you aborted the call because you you got addicted to some bad things, sexual things, or drugs, or addiction, and you feel like, man, God called me and I I didn't live pure. But guess what? Now you can live pure because you know who you are. It's your nature now. It's who you are. If you feel like you need to surrender your life to the call of God, come and respond to the word of the Lord. Don't hesitate. I don't care if you're a leader in this church. Just come and burn and let Papa's love. If you just want to, if you want to just let the love of God consume your life. Come and soak at this altar. Come and stand here and just burn. And we're going to dismiss those that want to be dismissed. But I want to take some time. Come on, bro. Come on. Praise God for people that 
Have courage to respond. Come on, would you lift up a shout to God right now and thank Him? It's a new day. It's a new season for you. I declare life where the enemy has spoke death. I declare hope to the hopeless. I declare right now the love of God. The love of God. at you and he's just like he has no idea what I have planned for him (laughs) how many sense the presence of the Lord lift your hands with me right now would you come on this is our prayer take all I am Lord here's my heart forever I'm yours there's anyone else respond now before we close come on respond I hit the reset button on my life that's it come on there's others respond praise God as they come come on bless the Lord as people come freedom in your life when you take that step it's like chains are broken off of you lies are removed from you rejection leaves you in Jesus name Thank you for your love. (laughs) Amen.